Let's pray together, church. Father, as we come before you this morning, we come before you with rejoicing hearts. Hearts that say, bless the Lord, O my soul. Let all that is within me bless his holy name. You deserve the great blessing of our hearts. And O Lord, we know the depth of our hearts. And we know that it takes a work of a holy and mighty God to transform us. So continue your work in us, Lord, we pray, even through your word this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you guys have been to the doctor in the last 12 months? Anybody been to the doctor? All right. What's one of the first things they ask you when you get to the doctor's office? I want to see your insurance card, right? Of course. How am I going to get paid? No. What's going on? What seems to be the problem? And they ask you for your symptoms. So this morning, I'm going to give you a few symptoms. I'm going to see how good a job you can do in diagnosing these problems. Now here's one. Doctor, I've been coughing a lot. In fact, I've been wheezing. Especially after running or getting hot, I'm short of breath, and I'm having trouble even breathing deeply. What, what do you think my problem could be, doctor? Asthma. Asthma. Yeah, those are the short symptoms of asthma. All right, let me give you another one. Hey, doctor, I'm... Nauseous in the mornings. I'm really tired. Really tired. And I'm craving chocolate and peanut butter. You're pregnant. According to the world, men can get pregnant these days. We don't believe that, but uh, yeah. All right, how about this one? Doctor, I've got a low-grade fever. I'm really tired and I have a runny nose. All right, I got that one covered. How about this one? Doctor, my back hurts every day. COVID. <laughs> my back hurts every day. I can't see anything up close anymore. And my hair is turning gray. <laughs> you just, oh, oh, man. Well, this morning, uh, we have a little bit different. It's not a doctor in our symptoms, but it is. What I've entitled the lesson this morning, and Titus saw it last night. Where are you, Titus? There you are. Is the signs of true love. Just as we would go to a doctor and say, look, these are my symptoms. What has happened to me? Uh, There ought to be a sense in which the church, we come before our brothers and sisters in Christ. and, And people can look at us and see, okay, these are the symptoms of Your Christian faith. And if there are no symptoms of Christian faith, as we talked about in our class, maybe there is no Christian faith. If you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn to 1 John. We're going to begin chapter 5 this morning. We begin 1 John in the year of 2020. If you remember, truth in 2020, we preached, I preached through 1 John through that year. 
And then we stopped and went through the Bible in 2021. We picked it back up here in 2022. And as we pick it back up in here, our theme this year is, of course, together in 2022. And I'm going to read from 1 John chapter 1, back in chapter 1. Our theme for the year is this. This is the message we've heard from him. And we proclaim to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have koinonia with him while we, fellow, while we walk in the darkness, we lie. And we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have koinonia with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. Jesus saves sinners that repent. I thought I'd get an amen out of that. Jesus saves sinners that repent. Let's begin in chapter 5, verse 1. I've referenced this verse before, several weeks ago, and maybe a month ago. And see if you remember it. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, is the anointed one, is Messiah, has been, what church? Born of God. And everyone who loves the Father does what? Loves whoever has been born of him. As we've talked about this verse, I will recap and just for clarity, share it once again. All believers have been born of God. Now, this is a theme throughout the New Testament. John uses this theme. Jesus uses this theme. Paul uses this theme of being born of God. There is a new birth that happens to those who are Christians. In fact, there is a new birth that happens that brings us to be Christians. It is called being born again. I can remember growing up, uh, and this was probably in the late 80s. Uh, when the, the question a lot of people asked was, are you born again? I don't know if you all remember that, but it seems like somebody made that phrase quite popular back in the day. Are you born again? And they were asking, has the Spirit of God so awakened you so that there is a duplicity of life, if you will? There is not only a physical life that we're living in this physical world, but there is a spiritual aliveness in your soul such that that spiritual aliveness is the spirit of God that is drawn to love and obey the father in heaven. And as we read this passage, you are going to see that play out in a crystal clear way. So let me say that again, if I can. The premise that I'm that I'm saying today is this. If you are a believer It is because you have been born again and the Spirit of God is in you so that He seeks to love and obey the Father in heaven. That is what a Christian is. I didn't get an amen, but I'm assuming you're processing that right now. There are no Christians who have not been born of God From John chapter 1. This is John in his prologue talking about Jesus. He came to his own. His own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, 
all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become what? Children of God. Now, this is a theme we've seen here in chapter 4 and chapter 5 of 1 John. He gave the right to become children of God, everyone who did what? All who believed in his name, right there. All who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right. And then he describes that person, the one who received him, the one who believes in his name. Look in verse 13. Y'all with me? Who were what? Born. Same word. Who were born, not of blood, not the physical birth, not of the will of the flesh. In other words, not because I just really, really wanted to do this, nor of the will of man. This is not a man thing. What is this, church? This is a God thing. Those who were born of God. And that means there is a spiritual birth, a time in which the Spirit of God comes in you and you are born again. If you are born of God, my premise was that you will love God and obey His commandments. Are we on the same page there? Y'all didn't amen me, but I think you're processing that. If you are born of God, you will love Him and obey His commandments. All right, Mary's with me. Thank you, Mary. Look at John chapter 8, verse 42. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would what? All right. Now, what did, what did he say that we were? That we were, look at back in 1 John, I told you that we were children of God. Did, I not, did we not read that earlier from John? We were children of God. And so this, when Jesus says in John chapter 8, if God were your father, that would make us children of God. So it's the same thing. He became, gave the right to become a child of God. That makes God our father. So we're just working through the logic here. This means that if God is our father, you would do what? You would love him. Therefore, therefore, if you are born of God, If you received him, if you believed in his name, then you love God. And then he continues, for I came from God and I'm here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. All those born of God love him. Secondly, not all people on this planet are children of God. That is not a popular statement in the greater world, but in the church, the Bible-believing people, we must affirm this. Not all humans on this planet are children of God. John chapter 8, right after what we just read, Jesus says to those around him, the non-believing, you are of your father what? The The devil. What we as Bible-believing Christians believe is that those who are born of God are children of God. Those who are not born of God, who do not love Jesus, as Jesus called them here, are children of the devil. And that doesn't make a whole lot of friends outside the church. But it's what Jesus said. 
And, and watch how he describes this. It's not just in name that it's offensive, but it is indeed as well. And it, it's, this is, these are Jesus' words. And your will is to do your father, which is the devil, his desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar. In fact, he's called the father of lies. Verse 45. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. I am speaking the truth. You do not want to believe the truth. You're of your father, the father of lies. Therefore, you cannot receive what is true. You receive the lies. Verse 46. Which one of you convicts me of sin? I'll tell you the truth. Why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God. Here's the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. May I encourage you, Christian, that if you hear these words of Scripture and receive them as the truth, then you are of God. But for those who reject the scripture or say, well, I don't believe that or I'm not so sure about what it says. What the Bible says is they are not of God. All the words of scripture are God breathed. We know. Right. We've learned that in Awana and blast. All scriptures God breathed. Second Timothy three sixteen. So my question for us this morning is, are you a child of God or a child of the devil? And that is a hard question. And it's not one that makes friends a lot of times. Because the natural response for someone who is questioning things is, you calling me a child of the devil? How dare you? Or how offensive to think that you own the only way to truth. That is what we hear a lot in our culture today. And I can assure you, my job is not to go out and to offend people. Y'all know me better than that. I'd like for everybody to be happy. However, Jesus' job was to bear witness to the truth. Right, Jeff? That's what I heard you say up here every Sunday afternoon at practice. For this reason I was born. For this reason I came to bear witness to the truth. And what happens to Pilate up here? Pilate, what happens? What is truth? Pilate did not receive the word of God because he was not of God. At least at that time. We know for certain. Many of y'all are a lot more agriculture savvy than I am. You can look at a tree and say, ah, that's a short oak lily water tree. I recognize that one. And then you'll look down the road and you'll say, oh, that's the octavating scarilicious tree. 
And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course that is. I've seen one of those before. I cannot do that. But some of you can do that. Some of you can look at a plant growing on the ground. I remember growing up, my mom told me to go pull weeds. I, was, I looked down, I'm like, what's a weed? I didn't know what to pull or what not to pull. Jesus said, you will know them by their fruits or by their fruit. How do you know if it's a child of God or a child of devil? Jesus tells us, you'll know them by, by their fruit. How do you know an orange tree from a grapefruit tree? You look on the limbs. You look at the bark. You look at the area in which it's growing. How do you know if you're a child of God or a child of the devil? Church? This is tough. How do we know? We know by what people say. By what people do. But sometimes what people say doesn't always line up with what they do, right? Let's keep going in chapter 2. All right. All who are of God, who've been born of God, two things. What do they do, church? They love him. They love God and they obey his commands. All right. Verse 2. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and obey his commandments. Now, there's our two things, isn't it? By this we know that we love the children of God. Now, he's not talking about everybody on the planet. He's talking about the people of God. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and we obey his commandments. Here is the evidence that you are, that you love God's children. That you love God. And we read that and we go, at least to me, when I read that and I'm trying to say, all right, how do I teach this? That's a strange statement. How do you know that you love your brothers? Well, if you love God. What does that mean? I think the point here is saying that those that love the brothers and sisters are the commandment keeping lovers of God. We've said that anybody that's born of God is going to do these two things. And what John is saying is it is imperative, and he's already said it, that we love the brothers. So let me stop for a moment and ask you a couple of questions. We've defined love before, haven't we? Love is wanting the best for someone, heard it, doing something about it. Wanting the best for someone, doing something about it. If love is wanting the best for someone and doing something about it, are we doing that for our brothers and sisters in Christ? In other words, for how about your pastor? What if your pastor is struggling and, and needs help? Are you there to come and say, hey, how can I help? Is there anything I can do? Uh, how about your Sunday school classmate? What if they are, are really struggling? What if it's a, a, a mom just had, has young children and you know how tough that is? Got young ones, hard to get a moment to yourself. Do you see that and say, how can I love this person? Maybe your neighbor is having a, a hard time. 
can you cook a meal for? Are you loving? How can I help this person? This is the question. Those who are born of God, who love God and who keep his commandments are those that are going to love those around us. So here is the application question for us. Are you doing that? In the last 60 days, 90 days, have you taken special effort to love someone in this building? Have you gone out of your way to provide for somebody? To meet a need for somebody? To just demonstrate love to somebody? How about calling somebody? Texting somebody with an encouraging message? Have you taken time, Christian, lover of God and keeper of commandments, have you taken time to love somebody in this building or on this membership role? Have you had a hard conversation with somebody that that needed to happen, that was painful to you or difficult for you? That's loving somebody. Hey, Christian, you are a lover of God and a keeper of his commandments. So let me ask you, what are his commandments? What are his commandments that we are to keep? Come to church. Put some money in the plate. Don't use four-letter words. What, what are the commandments that Christians are supposed to keep? Let me give you... Let me give you a hint into this. Look at what Paul says in Galatians 5.14. Are you still with me? If, if you are a lover of God, if you're born of God, you're going to love him and keep his commandments. We should know those commandments. Galatians 5.14 says this. The whole law is fulfilled in one word. What is it, church? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this is is one way of summing up what we as Christians need to do. Love our neighbor as ourselves. So again, I ask a question. Are we doing that? Have you in the last 30 days gone out of your way to love someone? And this is I mean, what Paul is saying. is just a, a retelling of what Jesus told us, that the greatest commandment, love God, love your neighbor, isn't it? Jesus said it this way. John 14, 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. So we go back to, if you're born of God, there are two things that you do. One is that you... Love God. Secondly, you keep his commandments. But didn't Jesus say those were kind of the same thing? Didn't he? John 14, 20. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. Whoever keeps my commandments is the one that loves me. So now you see why we get back to the greatest commandment is to love God. To love our neighbor. These are the great commandments. And why? Because loving God is truly keeping the the desires that he wants us to do. So I'll ask you a tough question. 
I think it's a tough question. Agree or disagree? Get ready. Y'all with me? Y'all ready? Agree or disagree? Christianity is commandment keeping. All right? Christianity is commandment keeping. Agree or disagree? That's a tough question. And I'm going to give you my answer to that. My answer is Christianity is more than commandment keeping, but not less than commandment keeping. While commandment keeping is a mandatory facet of Christianity, it's not the entirety of Christianity. I think we would all agree on that. So Christianity is not merely commandment keeping. It is more than, but it's certainly not less than commandment keeping. If you, are, if you are a Christian, you are going to be a commandment keeper. And verse 3 tells us how we commandment keep. Okay, y'all still with me? This is the important. I say important. This is, the, the, this is where it hits it. This is where you get it into fifth gear. You can go. For this is the love of God. If you're born again, you love God and you keep his commandments. And this is what loving God is. That we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdens. So I, I don't, I see a period there. But I think what John's trying to get across is, is the one thought. Now I'm not a translator. In Greek, there wouldn't have been a period. I do know that. I do know that. But the, the idea here is that you're commandment keeping in a non-burdensome way. Now, this opens, opens a lot of uh, questions and thoughts for us. This is our how. This is our relationship to the commands and to God in fulfilling commands. So I have another tough question for you. All right? You ready? Another tough question for you. Is it duty? Is it duty that keeps us obedient to God? Or is it delight? I use two D words. Is it duty that keeps us as a commandment keeper? Or is it delight that keeps us as a commandment keeper? Tough question. Now, if you have an answer, I hope your answer is yes. And let me explain. Does duty... Or delight keep us obedient to the Lord? I think the answer is yes. And I mean that by this. Discipline is, is essential in the Christian life. I can remember Brother Bill always talking about the importance of discipline in our lives. I'm sure, Richard, you can remember that too, oftentimes. Discipline is important. In fact, you can watch March Madness on TV. You can talk to Coach Brown here. He can tell you the importance of discipline in any sporting activity. How important discipline is, Kelly, and running. 
How important is discipline in training? It is it's essential. And in Christianity, there are times in which I had a conversation recently with a church member who says, I'm doing a task. And sometimes while I'm doing that task, I just have to sing, serve the Lord with gladness because I do not care for the task. But I know that I'm doing it in God's name and in service to him. And it is not necessarily my delight to do that task today, but it needs to be done. And I am his servant, so I will do it. There are cases like, have you all ever felt that? Am I the only one? Okay. There are times in which discipline and duty keep us obedient to what God has called us to do. And we have to reach deep down deep. I had a conversation with one of my sons last night about discipline is important. And we've got to, you have to know that there are times you have to, have to lean on discipline and fight to be obedient to what God has called you to do. Discipline is essential. However, if there is no joy in being obedient to God, then that discipline will run out and fail us in time. Even as I was training for my marathon, there are times that, and Kelly, would, she told me this, I, can, I think I can share this. She said, there are times when you're going to have to miss a session. It's going to happen. Something's going to come up. Life still happens. And you may have to miss one of your workouts. That happens. And when that happens, and in the Christian life, y'all all, the most disciplined church member out there, I bet you'd admit to me there are times that you just fail. Discipline alone is not enough to keep us obedient to God. If that discipline is not motivated and rooted in The joy of the Lord, as Nehemiah talked about, the joy of the Lord is my strength. We love that. His commandments are not burdensome. Uh, I I was reading last night and I I looked it up because I remember the story. Uh, Pastor John Piper, who I've read several of his books, really enjoy most of his stuff. Uh, he, He tells a story of his anniversary and he came to the door and he said, all right, so here's me coming to the door, I've bought my, my expensive flowers, and I, I, I knock on the door of my own house, and my wife answers the door, and I spring the flowers, and I say, happy anniversary. And she says, look at those flowers, how beautiful, you shouldn't have. And I say, well, I read a book, and I was told I was supposed to. Then I say, okay, Noel, which is his wife's name, Noel, I want you to go get dressed. I'm taking you out tonight to celebrate our anniversary. And she looks back and she says, oh, Johnny, that's so romantic. And he says, well, there's nothing I would rather do than spend my night with you. And then she returns back. Nothing you'd rather do. You'd rather do? 
What a selfish, self-centered person you are. Nothing you'd rather do. So now we're going to do what you'd rather do. Doesn't quite make sense, does it? So you've got two concepts. Let me break it down a little bit for you. Well, I read the book, and it's what I'm supposed to do. How many Christians will come to the Lord, their Lord and Savior at the end of their life and, and say, Thank you, Mary, for teaching blast week after week and teaching youth Sunday school. And would you go to the face of your God and say, well, I read in the Bible, that's what I was supposed to do, so that's what I did, Lord. No. You can get to the Lord and say, Lord, I love you. And this was my gift to you. Because I wanted to do it because I knew it would make you, what? Happy. I wanted to please you, my Lord. It's not duty... But there are some mornings, I bet, that Mary and all of our other teachers say, golly, this is tough. Or maybe it's a Saturday night or a Wednesday night, and you're, you're tired and like, oh, I'd really rather not study tonight. And that discipline's got to keep you going and saying, but it, it, I'm going to do it because there are important things. So you do it because you want to please God, not because the book said to do it, but because you want to please God. What about the second part of that illustration where nothing you'd rather do? And I, lo- I love this part. It, the, the illustration is that, no, his wife is delighted to hear that nothing would make him happier than being with her. That, that John finds delight in being with Noel. That he, that he has joy in his heart because he's in the presence of someone, of you. And, and I think married couples or parents and those relationships, you think, man, when my child doesn't want to be with me, that, that hurts. But you're not calling them selfish because your spouse wants to be with you. You find joy in that. So Christian, let me turn that into a little bit of what we're talking about here today. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commands are not burdens. There is a delight or joy in your heart to so say, Lord, I want to do this for you. I know the book says to do it and therefore I gladly do it. Because I am rooted in pleasing you. And there's nothing I'd rather do, not because I'm selfish, but because my heart is in a place of love where I want the best and I'm going to do something about it. So here's my final quote of verse 3, my wrap-up. Find the right way to enjoy serving the Lord with great discipline. Find the right way in your life to serve, to enjoy serving the Lord in a greatly disciplined way.
My grandfather, T.W., is with the Lord now. He served his church for, I think, 29 years in a very disciplined way. And when you ask him, he never says anything bad about his church. He loved serving his church. And in 13 years, I hope they can say the same thing about me. I enjoy serving the church and I want to do it in a disciplined way. I do not wake up Sunday morning and go off to my duty. I do not take time in praying for you in the mornings and saying, here we go. Time to pray for Belinda. Lord, help Belinda. Lord, help Amy. No, that's not how I do my job. And so, Christian, I want to offer to you, I know that's an exaggerated measure, but I want to invite and I want to encourage you to find the right way in your life to enjoy serving the Lord with great discipline. To enjoy serving the Lord with great discipline. And when people don't like your ideas, you enjoy serving the Lord and you are faithful to do it in great discipline. And this is loving God. And when you find men and women in the church that nobody's celebrating, nobody's clapping, nobody's mentioning, nobody's thanking, but they're up here every Saturday morning doing the yard work, praying for you every Sunday morning early, praying over the pews, praying for people in this room, uh, my hope and prayer is that they know that they are loving God. It doesn't matter what anybody else knows. They're loving God. By doing what God has called them to do. Let me say it one more time and we'll close for today. We'll have to sing the victory songs again next week, Belinda. That's verse 4. We'll get there. Find the right way to enjoy serving God with great discipline. And when people look at the tree of your life, they don't look and go, well, that's a, I'm not sure what kind of person that is. The first thing that comes to their mind is, that's Brian Brown. That's a Christian. That's Miss Paula. That's a Christian. They will know you because you have joy in your life as you serve God in a disciplined way. May we pray. Actually, let's not pray yet. Let's not pray yet. One more thing. There may be some listening. There may be some here that don't understand all this because they have not been born again. And it is my duty and my joy both to share with you that if you don't understand this born-againness, that 
The born-againness comes from believing in the one who came and died and lived the perfect life for us and rose again to demonstrate who he was, and that is the Son of God. So this morning as Christians, we gather talking about what we should look like and how to love God, but the first step to loving God is by believing in the Son, Jesus Christ, who came and revealed himself to us. So if you've never done that, This morning is the time to do that. And the reason that we as Christians, we celebrate and the reason that we are happy and we do have joy. One of the main reasons is that we recognize that apart from Jesus, we are doomed to eternal damnation in a place called hell. But because of God's great love that he loved us with. He has caused us to be born again. He has given us his son. And I invite you to believe in that son and trust that Jesus Christ is the son of God this morning. That you might know how to love God properly. Loving God is not just a thing to say, well, I have good feelings about there being a creator. It's saying, I affirm who Jesus Christ is. I affirm his teachings. I'm going to surrender the rules I've laid in my own life and the standards I've set in my own life. And I'm going to live by the standards of the kingdom of God that Jesus preached while he was here. If you have any questions about that, I'd love to talk with you about that a little more. But there is a decisive moment in everyone's life where they must come to the place where they either are a child of God or a child of the world or a child of the devil, if you will. And my hope and prayer is that you've made that decision to affirm I am a child of God. I am one who has given my life to following the teachings of the kingdom of the king. And I will give my life to following you. If you have any questions about that or would like to know any more about that, uh, I'm here. I'd love to talk with you more in more detail about what that looks like. And with that said, now, let's pray together. Our Father, we come before you thankful that you have given your son to us. Thankful that you have stirred our hearts and given us your spirit. Father, we are thankful that we love you. And we ask for as a body of believers that we love you well, we obey your commandments well, we do it with joy, we do it with great discipline. Lord, as we leave this place, there are many things to do that we can do to serve you. There are things going on here at this church today. Lord, stir the hearts of your people into a deep, long-lasting, faithful obedience. Lord, if there's anyone in the sound of my voice today who has not surrendered to Jesus Christ as Lord, who has not found forgiveness for their sin, we pray, God, please convert their soul. Lord, we pray for our family members and friends. We ask, oh God, do a work and begin to transform people. Give us opportunities to speak truth, O God, in the name of Jesus. To be faithful, humble servants of your word and to speak the truth in love. Lord, we ask all this in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.